from New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up Talk Radio is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they'd always dreamed of. Each week, Powered Up Talk Radio explores innovative ways to stay focused in a world that's experiencing dramatic changes. Find out who you are, discover your purpose, and challenge yourself to be all you can be, right here, right now. Here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and we're going to be visiting today with Ellen Tad. Now, we've had Ellen on our show before, and she's quite lovely. She's written a book called The Infinite View, A Guidebook for Life on Earth, and we're bringing her on because both Linda and I experience certain things along the way as we travel along the spiritual journey. Linda, when I was in the park this morning walking, trying to center myself, trying to ground myself, it was amazing to me that 3,000 miles away with a completely different kind of lifestyle, completely different everything, you could feel exactly the same way. And you wrote some passage for your new book that was really powerful and meaningful to me. And it was just amazing to me that you hit the nail on the head. Can you share a little bit about what what we were talking about? And then we're going to bring Ellen in and, and, and add her to the conversation. Sure, absolutely. Well, you know, I just, uh, today especially, I woke up and for no particular reason, I felt depressed, I felt down, I felt tired, I felt no energy. And that happened to me a couple of months ago where I've had the exact same feeling. And it doesn't last too long, but while it's with me, it's very disconcerting. um, And, you know, it just makes me feel lousy. And you basically were feeling the same thing. So I just sat down at my computer um, and I just wrote how I was feeling and how it's like deja vu because it keeps happening every so often and I don't know why. I mean, nothing sparks it. It just it just comes. And um, when we had the conversation, you you said, well, maybe something is going on in the universe that is making us feel that way because. This isn't the first time that we have sort of synchronized those feelings. And as you said, we're 3,000 miles away and we hadn't talked on the phone for, you know, three or four days. So it was nothing. It was just this heavy feeling. And um, I know that I have been doing a lot of dreaming um, lately before waking. Uh, And I in my dream, I say to myself, gee, this is really important. I think this is something I have to remember. And then, of course, I wake up and then I don't remember a thing. It's like a wispy little cloud that just sort of disintegrates. And I don't even have time to write anything down because it's gone. But, you know, I sat down and I wrote about how, how I'm feeling. And, it, you know, it did help. And, um I guess it's going to keep on happening. I don't know why, but obviously there must be a reason for it because we're both having this experience and we're doing some pretty heavy duty emotional work, um, spiritual work, you know, working to higher consciousness because that for me is, is my main goal right now. So maybe it just comes with the territory. I don't know. 
Well, that's when I say to you, you know, like, I feel like my soul is tired. And, and, you know, there's no obvious reason. Neither of us are sick. We're not suffering any financial problems. We're not suffering relationship problems. Kids doing well. Dogs doing well. You know, we really couldn't ask for more of a blessing in our lives. But then to wake up with this pervasive feeling of, like, hopelessness or desolation or emptiness was really a little bit unnerving for me. And then I cried like three times in two days for no particular reason. And so I'm excited to bring on Ellen Tad today because, you know, she's written this book, The Infinite View, A Guidebook for Life on Earth. But more than that, you know, she's somebody who has worked on developing these type of skills in people for many years. So I'm so excited to bring you to the show today, Ellen. Welcome and please weigh in on, you know, what Linda and I are going through. Thank you. Thank you for including me in this conversation. Um, well, many things. One, um, I tend to think of depression as discouragement because in the aura, when a person is feeling depressed, it's quite literal. The aura shrinks and there's a depression. When we feel happy, the aura expands and there's an expansion. So what causes the contraction or the depression of the aura is discouragement. Now, there's a lot of challenges that we face as individuals and also collectively. Um, So, for example, we happen to live in a world where there's a lot of toxicity. There's pesticides, there's heavy metals. There's um, plastics and solvents, and I think often people don't realize that the environmental exposures to these toxicities, which we all have in daily life, affect us, affect how we feel, affect our nervous system, and, um, and so that's one factor. The other factor is that we are all interconnected. So even if an individual feels that their life is going well, there's a collective energetic experience, and we have challenges on our planet. There's challenges with the extinction of animals. There's challenges with a variety of environmental issues, and people um, are affected by these challenges on a daily basis. And so there's a lot of challenge, and I think it's so important if you're spiritually oriented to not ignore the human challenges that exist and are before us. So what I have focused on is remembering the spiritual perspective. And in my book, I have a number of tools that help people experience this perspective directly because if you think about it, it doesn't do much for you. But if you experience it, then it does a lot for you. From a spiritual perspective, life on earth is our school. And we're here to learn how to actualize our best even in the midst of adversity. And so it's very important to not ignore the adversity that's around us because it's a time of challenge. And if you want, I can talk about some of these tools, but you may want to, to add something right now. 
No, I'd love for you to talk about that because one of the things, Alan, you know, and I'm a big fan of your book, you know, we, we, everybody who's out there needs to buy this book. I haven't been paid to endorse it, but I'm a big fan of your book. And I'm using right now your deep listening with my coaching practice in my business. So I would love to have some tools with, um, you know, with what Linda and I are experiencing. Great. Well, um, A number of years ago, I became interested in the chakra system, and chakra means wheel in Sanskrit, and there's seven fundamental wheels of energy in our aura that go from the top of our head to the base of our spine, or from the base of our spine to the top of our head, and I didn't read books on the subject, I just watched people's chakras, because I have a clairvoyance, and I was interested in human behavior, why do people do what they do? And one of the important things I found is how people focus impacts how they perceive and how they perceive impacts how they feel. And some people follow their gut, which is something that is a popular notion. Other people stay in their analytical mind. Some people follow their heart. Well, I'm a proponent of living life looking through your forehead. (laughs) And it sounds silly, But I've taught, you know, large numbers of people that when you focus out of the middle of your forehead, then you really see your own individual life and life around you in what I call a spiritual perspective. It's it's the center of wisdom, and wisdom is the ability to see the far-reaching impact. And so from this third-eye view, even in the midst of challenge, The fundamental attitude is, okay, I accept what is because it is. Now, given what is, what am I to do? It's a very proactive stance. We are a solar plexus dominant culture. Most people I observe live their life focused in their gut, and I think this is a big mistake. It's not that the gut is a bad center. It's the center of emotion and feeling, but it should not be used as the center of perception. It's like walking down the street, feeling your way with your eyes closed. And this center, this this misuse of the solar plexus, I see is responsible for drug abuse and eating disorder and rage. And it's really a problem. And, um, you know, there's so many stories I have about this, but it's it's really understanding the power of focus and concentration. In sports, they call it the zone. And when an athlete is deeply focused, they're activating the third eye chakra in the middle of the forehead, and they actualize their best. And I've talked to athletes, professional athletes, who've experienced this, and in the midst of feeling this feeling of the zone, they are unattached to whether they win or lose. And it's a state that, from a spiritual perspective, gives us the feeling of interconnection, which is really, which is really the way things are. We're all interconnected. So I think it's so important to have a spiritual perspective when our human experience is challenging. It helps to mitigate the fear, the discouragement, and really, um, I think adds a whole different level of purpose. 
Well, I think you're right, Alan. I need to take us to commercial break, but, you know, being unattached to the outcome and being present and allowing, you know, everything to just flow is something that I was working on when I came across your book and um, found it very, very effective in my business practice. Um, I'd like to also thank Sally for showing up today. That's my golden retriever barking in the background. It's currently raining here, so she's inside. So we're just going to give her a little show credit for today. Uh, we're visiting with Ellen Tad, who wrote The Infinite View, a guidebook for life on Earth. It's a very, very pretty book. I actually like to give it as a gift um, because it, it's that kind of book. It's got a pretty cover, and it's it's very, very well written. And we're going to talk more with Ellen after the break about some of these things that we can use to help us navigate our new normal. We'll be back after these messages. Stay with us. We've got lots more ahead. We'll be right back. In celebration of what would have been author of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Roald Dahl's 100th birthday, Oxford University Press has published the Oxford Roald Dahl Dictionary. The dictionary is both authoritative and a little bit mischievous and includes everyday words plus those invented by Dahl for his books. One of my favorite words from the dictionary is Zazimus. That is what the big friendly giant calls the stuff that dreams are made of, which he whisks with his magical egg beater. Roald Dahl loves the letter Z, which he uses in his mystical words like fizz-whizzing, zip-fizzing, and zunk. By now you might be feeling a bit biff-squiggled. That's another word for confused or puzzled. It's marching down. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Our bodies were created to function properly, and all we need is available to us to live a healthy, long life. We have been fearfully and wonderfully made and equipped with what we need to live life to the fullest. According to Medical News Today... The body ensures that a constant level of energy is available to all of its cells through a complex system that includes regulating how much food we eat, how much of the digestive food we absorb, how much of the digestive food we store away, and how much of our energy store we release for use. If this balance is upset, individuals can gain weight and even develop type 2 diabetes. But it really is simple to maintain optimal health exercise at least an hour a day, keep portion sizes small, and consume nutritious, low-calorie foods to live a healthy, long life. I'm Annette Hammond. We're having a great discussion. Let's get back to it. Ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and we're visiting today with Ellen Tad on The Infinite View. And, Linda, you had a great question at break that I'd love for you to share with our listeners, and we'll take it from there. Sure. Um, I've been, with my spiritual advisors and my own work, um, I have been told for years and years to work on my heart, open up my heart, get out of my head, because I've been in my head for all of my life, and now... Basically, I'm trying to get out of my head, and that journey from head to heart is a tough one, but but a really beautiful one. And now, with your in the last segment, we were talking about 
um, what you said about don't focus so much on your heart, but focus on your um, forehead, on your third eye. Um, and so I want to hear more about that. And what's the difference? Because everybody's um, that I've been talking to is always just about heart open, heart open. And um, I, I want to know the difference and, and how this might help me. Well, this is a great question, Linda. Um, let's think about our physical body. Every organ has a different role to play. And there isn't one organ, you know, I mean, they're all important. They just have a different role. So with the chakras, all of them are important, but they have a different role to play. And the important question is, what is the appropriate role for each center? So um, my guides in the spiritual world have been my teachers. I write about that process in, in my book. And one of the things a guide said to me one day, which I loved, was the heart is a radiator, not a discriminator. And the analogy I was given was the heart chakra is like the sun. It's warm and bright, and it's the center where we feel love. But it doesn't discriminate. It shines, the sun shines on my house and your house and everybody else's house. So the heart chakra is the center of love. It's the center where we feel the loving feelings. But the center for decision-making is the third eye. This is the center of wisdom. So ultimately, what we want is for the third eye to guide the heart. So the third eye um, informs us the appropriate way to express the love we feel. I've known people who follow their heart, and they love someone very much, and they try to make a relationship work with someone they love but who isn't a good match for them. And so discernment is key in guiding the heart. And what causes the heart to get blocked are emotional hurts. And then I think of the, the emotional hurts as like clouds that block the sun. And so it's very important to heal those hurts by seeing circumstances in appropriate Clarity, you know, uh, everyone's learning, everyone's making mistakes, so we need to not take the imbalances of other people personally. But I've known too many people who follow their heart for decision making that um, discover that it that it's really not the center of decision making; it's the center of love. So then, the the I I don't disagree with you, um, but sometimes in decision making, I I I don't go to my third eye or my forehead, um, but I go to my brain. I go to my the, your intellect. I so go to my intellect. The intellect has the intellect has an appropriate role. Think of the intellect as our computer. So we rely on our computers a lot. It's great to have a fast and smart computer. It's great to have a developed intellect, but you don't ask your computer, who should I marry? Your computer is data and research, and this is the appropriate use of the brain, but wisdom is very different than the intellect. Wisdom is the ability to see the far-reaching impact. You know, I was raised by my father, who was a physicist, and he had a really a brilliant intellect. And I learned really early that didn't mean that he made wise decisions in his life. 
because the analytical mind and the, and wisdom are different. There are uneducated people who are very wise. So the third eye is wisdom. The intellect is the part of us that is data and research, and it's very important. But it's not the not the decision making faculty. So in order of importance. If we had a, if we had a, a, one two three, so it's it's the intuition of the forehead, it's the warmth and love of the heart, and then the intellect of the brain. Well, actually, the solar plexus is the center of intuition because what intuition is is feeling. Intuition is a feeling and a hunch. The third eye, you know, it's. It's only activated through focus and concentration, nothing else but focus and concentration. It's a different experience. It's a sense of knowing. It's a sense of, um, of knowing that, you know, sometimes I think of it, it's like the feeling of taking an apple and hitting a tree. It's contact, you know. It's also, um, you know, I've, I've, worked with a lot of people where I have people compare perception from the solar plexus with perception in the third eye. And pretty consistently, the solar plexus will have anxiety where the third eye will have calm and clarity, or the solar plexus will be reactionary where the third eye will, will be more objective. You know, it's, it's really something you have to experience in order to really understand. One of my, my favorite stories is I was giving a lecture to a group of high school students and I was talking to them about the difference between the solar plexus and the third eye and I walked them through this comparison exercise and when I was done at the end there was this high school kid with you know baggy pants and just sort of a kind of caricature of a high school rebellious kid who came up to me and repeated over and over again I wasn't angry in my third eye. I wasn't angry in my third eye. And he was so amazed that, that he had really thought of himself as an angry young man, but he wasn't when he was focused. So I always say focus and concentration is equal to power. It, it really brings our best self forward. Well, and Ellen, I just want to jump in here because, you know, I've been working on, you know, I've been working on this, the, you know, like the looking out my forehead. And what I found is that when I look at problems I'm having out my forehead, it's like, it's the voice of reason. It's very calm. It's very, it's not logical, but it's very like, it's all a win-win. It's all a, um, it's just a very different experience. And then when I, when I think of my gut, my gut will tell me to fight or to be afraid of this or this is the problem. You know, there seems to be all this emotion down there. But then when I, when I close my eyes in the morning and I, I kind of try to look out my forehead like you taught me on another show. And I ask my question and I say silent and I just keep focusing with my eyes shut looking out my forehead, which sounds really weird for somebody like me, but it does work. Then the answer comes 
through, you know, because I feel so silly, yeah. but it comes through and it says, like, I'll focus on my kids and say, you know, what is going on here? You know, Zachary needs comfort. Zachary needs love. Or, you know what, Max just needs to know you're there for him. Stay calm. Everything is so peaceful. And it's not like the chitter chatter up in the top of my head, like, you know, when I'm thinking actively or what you call the intellect. And it's certainly not yeah. emotional driven kind of fight or flight that I feel if I focus on my, my, what my gut tells me to do. Yes, it's the clear voice of wisdom. And when my guides first taught me this, it changed my life because I lived my life in the solar plexus before they educated me, and it, it was life-altering. And so when I wake up in the morning, I stare at a point, and I say, what are my priorities today? And the third eye is the center of objective clarity, and it's, it's truly remarkable. Sometimes I feel like I get to be like little Johnny OneNote, you know. Someone I was working with the other day who came from New York said, oh, you're the third eye lady. And <laughs> I thought, well, I, I'm really, really seeing how incredibly effective and powerful it is when people focus there. And so I thought, okay, I'll be the third eye lady. <laughs> I, I have a question, um, and maybe I'm, I can even answer it myself. So when you're, so even with Sandra saying you're, you're sitting very quietly, you've got your eyes closed, you're asking a question, and then the answer comes back to you, and it's very calm and very peaceful. So is that how you differentiate that knowing feeling from the head feeling because the, the, the answer that usually comes from your brain is not calm and peaceful. It's usually, you know, get off your tush and get moving. It's not calm at all. So is that how we know that this is something that's coming from the greatest part of us because it's calm and peaceful? Well, you know, I like the fact that I'm a scientist's daughter. So I approach I approach it as a theory and an experiment. And, you know, what I would say about the third eye is it's the center of appropriateness. So sometimes the third eye will um, use anger as a tool to make an important point. Like if you have a little child playing in the road, you don't say, oh, honey, don't play in the road. you got to give them a little drama so they know that it's serious and it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. So the third eye isn't the center of calm. It's the center of appropriate wisdom, and that's always situational depending on the context in which you're making the decision. Well, and can I just jump in here because I've been I've been taking a whack at this at my office and then also with my family. The one thing I will notice is like, you know, there was this 70s cartoon Brainiac from the planet Smartron and he had that brain that short circuited like in a globe. So when I'm arguing with myself and I'm thinking about things, it feels like everything is like all the electricity is popping around in my brain. When I feel like I'm sit, sitting in the third eye or doing that third eye thing out my forehead, even when my eyes aren't closed, it's it's 
quieter, it's gentler, it's very few words, it's not a discussion, but it can be insistent. You're right, because it's like now Sandra's, you know, stop that, whatever. But it's it's like lower. It's like I hear it like around my ears and my jaw, and it's just slips in. It's not the monkey chatter. It's a totally different voice. Cause when I first heard it, um, Ellen, when I was working through your book, I thought, oh God, now there's three people in there. There's me, there's my thinking me and now there's like calm rational me stay with us we've got lots more ahead we'll be right back it's marching did you know that many prospective college students work under the management of handlers A tutor helps with SAT preparation, while a consultant concocts the perfect resume to present to colleges. They say the closest people ever come to perfection is on their resume. But college admission staffs aren't so bubbleable. That means gullible when it comes to sorting out students' qualifications. What's another word for a person with enough education to go to college? A tancom. The graduation cap was initially a hood and is believed to date back to the Celtic times when Druid priests wore capes and hoods to symbolize their intelligence. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Yahoo Health describes exercise as physical activity that is planned, structured, and repetitive for the purpose of conditioning the body. The key words are planned, structured, and repetitive. You must have a plan. You have got to prepare a time to do it. It doesn't just happen. Effective exercise needs to be structured. You must prearrange what you will do during your workout time, and it needs to be repetitive. Exercising once or twice a week is not enough. It's better than nothing, but you need to make your exercise time consistent and recurring. I encourage you to do some form of exercise each day, whether it's cardiovascular conditioning, strength and resistance training, or flexibility. Make physical activity your priority. You can do it. I'm Annette Hammond. If you're a fan of Fitness Minute, like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. We're having a great discussion. Let's get back to it. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck. I'm here with Linda Franklin, and we're visiting with Ellen Tad, author of The Infinite View. And before we went to commercial break, I made a joke, but it's not really a joke. It's like now there's three people in my head. There's that monkey chatter that, you know, always gets me in trouble. Then there's my intellect when I'm talking to myself, trying to figure something out. Now we just throw another person in the loop. And, you know, Ellen and Linda, I like to think of her. She's She's a her in my head, and she's very maternal. She's very nurturing. She's also very protective and kind of soft-spoken, like your mom would say, now, that's not very nice, or come on now, this is what I need you to do. You know, that's how that voice sounds in my head, but it's also very few words. But when I when I pop that, whatever she said, I'll pop through my intellectual filter. I'll think about what, what that voice said or the third-eye wisdom voice said. It's right. 
and it's logical and it's it's kind of without emotion it can have emphasis but there's no there's no great emotion in there there can be urgency and emphasis but it's very different and the first time you hear it don't be freaked out like i was and go oh god there's another person in here so go ahead linda or Ellen. <laughs> yeah i have a question so if that that wisdom that knowledge um that's that that's coming through um could we say that that is our our soul talking to us leading us guiding us um to do the the best thing for us um or is the soul or doesn't the soul communicate like that well um i make a distinction between the spirit and the soul so the spirit is a spark of the god force that exists we all have a spirit within and this is this it's our enlightened self. It's the spark of the God force, and every spirit has an individual emphasis. One spirit may emphasize creativity and another wisdom, another nurturing. I always call it our particular instrument in the orchestra of life. And this is the only part of our nature that's constant, that doesn't change. And then the soul is the container of the spirit, that allows the spirit to have individuality and animation, the soul is very complicated. It contains all of our past life patterns and traumas and talents and fears, and it's evolving. And so um, the one of our, our challenges in our evolutionary process is to bring our soul's nature closer to our spiritual nature. So I would say that the third eye is more of, uh, what I call deep focus and meditation or silencing brain chatter is access to deep listening. And both deep focus and deep listening can bring us in contact with our spirit and our spirit's nature. And this is our enlightened self. So this is the part of us that we want to access for uh, navigating our lives. Can the soul get tired? <laughs> well, the soul has, I would say, you know, there's the spirit, the soul, and the personality, and I usually say the soul is the baloney in the middle, because the soul has trauma and fear and confusion from past lives we've lived. So, really, a lot of what we're doing here is working on healing our soul. So, our spirit never gets frightened or tired, but the soul, yeah, the soul has issues, and my guides say that the spirit heals the soul, so the more we get in touch with the spiritual qualities of compassion and clarity and love and these fundamental principles, we start to heal the soul, so the two fundamental tools I teach, and then I teach a lot of variations on this, but the two fundamental tools are deep focus, activating the third eye, and deep listening, being able to still brain chatter and go into deep listening because it's those two skills that really give us access to this purest essence of ourselves. Well, the thing that, that Sandra and I have been working on lately, um, and I'm finding it helpful for myself, um, Sandra will have to speak for her, but 
every time I have um, a, you know, some, a thought or an idea or a reaction, I, I, I stop for a second and I say, where is this coming from? Um, is this an ego thing that, that's motivating me to think this way? Or is this a heart thing? But now I've got to add the third one. <laughs> is this a, 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 a third eye thing? Um, where is it coming from? And if I believe that it's just my ego, or it's coming from my head and it's not really going to help. I disregard it, but I think the first thing people have to do is recognize where all of this is coming from so then they can differentiate and make better choices. Yes, and I usually divide it into the category as, is this coming from fear or is it coming from clarity? And, um, you know, the... The solar plexus is not a bad center, but it's also the center of harmony. And when we're using it as the center of perception, harmony gets defined as how we want things to be. <laughs> and how we want things to be isn't necessarily the, for the greater good. And when we move to the third eye perspective, what is right for us is really right for all concerns. So... I think that it's good to to question and ask, you know, what's motivating you, you know, ego or, or love or clarity or fear. But I, I suggest practicing using the third eye because it really simplifies the process of sorting through all of this complexity of feeling and perception and emotion. Um, knowing all of the things that you do and you're practicing them for so many years and teaching them now, um, even though you know all of this, do you, I won't say often, but do you find yourself just completely disregarding it like in a snow blizzard or whatever it is or something has really made you angry and just, you know, you just go for your instinct of, of email, oh my God, you know, what's happening, I'm, you know, I got to go, and you know you're making the wrong decision, but you do it anyway? <laughs> well, I think, I think we all have places in our life where we're more attached to the results than other places. I, I've been working on the third eye for a long time, and so most of the time, I'm in the third eye, but then there's the places in my life where I get attached to the results. And, you know, that can be, you know, a number of different categories. And, you know, if, if I'm attached to the result, then it's like having an anchor in the solar plexus. And then it's, then I'm in reaction and that reaction can be anger or that reaction can be impatience or that reaction can be, uh, you know, frustration or sadness. But what I've learned is that when I have those reactions, I understand it. I understand that the circumstance that's come up is where my work lies and that that's where my attachments are. My guides define attachment as desire mixed up with fear. So desires are good. They propel us into creativity. They motivate us. But when we have our desires mixed up with fear, that's when the problems start. So 
then when I recognize, oh yeah, I've got my fear attached to this desire, then I have to work it. And I know that when I accept what is and get to the third eye perspective, I will be my wisest and I will navigate the challenge the best. So it's a process. I always think of it as two steps forward and one step back. You know, we, it's like, uh, you know, building a positive habit. So the desire doesn't bring out the fear. It's the outcome of the desire that brings out the fear. Fear, from what I'm getting now and even in myself, is it, it's not about right now. It's about tomorrow and the next day and the next day because right in the moment, everything is okay. But when you start to project of what could be, what if, all of those things, that's when the fear crops up. Well, you know, my guides have been my teachers don't always agree with common spiritual ideas. You know, it's real common for people to say, be in the moment. Well, my guides disagree with that. They say, you don't want to regret the past, but you want to look at the past because then you can learn from it. And you don't want to be afraid of the future, but you want to hold a vision for the future and you want to set your sails for the future. So they say, you know, this idea of being in the moment can be an avoidance. And, you know, I've known people who are in the moment and then they don't manage their money well and then they get older and they're not in good financial shape because they didn't plan for their future. So the trick is not so much to ignore the past or the future, but how to be aware that, yes, there's uncertainty, but because we're spirit. And because we're always safe in our spiritual identity, even the adversity and the uncertainty doesn't have to frighten us. Okay, I hear you. Um, I think after the break we can go into that because right now I would say our world that's changing so fast every day that it's hard to keep up with it. Um, the fear, the fear is, you know, palpable out there of, uh, of, of, you know, what's, what's going to happen next. And you may not think it's affecting you, but on some sort of subliminal level, it really is. So I'd like to hear what your guides have to say about what's going on on our planet right now. Yes, absolutely. It's definitely a challenging time. Well, and I think, you know, we talked about some things, you know, that we can do and some um, opportunities we have to kind of have a different and greater awareness. And if you liked what you heard today, and no endorsements have been paid to promote this book, but we're visiting today with Ellen Tad, and her book is The Infinite View, a guidebook for life on Earth. And um, it's got some very, very helpful information in there, and it really simplifies what we're talking about this deep focusing, this activating the third eye. You know, there's a chapter in there about working with consciousness that I really like, and I'm currently really working on the asking and listening chapter. So I think you're going to really like it. It's The Infinite View. Ellen Tad's last name has two Ds, E-L-L-E-N-T-A-D-D.com, The Infinite View, a guidebook for life on Earth. Now, when we come back from the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about what Ellen's guides are telling us about the state of our country, the state of our planet the state of women you're not going to want to miss this we'll be back after the break
Stay with us. We've got lots more ahead. We'll be right back. I managed to run out of coffee again this morning. I didn't even have enough to make one cup. Boy, was that a miscababble or big mistake. Because I make serious coffee so strong it wakes up the neighbors. Now, I don't have a problem with caffeine. I have a problem without caffeine. I get wadgety and brickety. Did you know apples are more efficient than coffee for keeping people awake in the morning? Unfortunately, I didn't have any apples either. Acorns were used as a coffee substitute during the American Civil War. Without my hot cup of coffee in the morning, I'm feeling pretty squirrely myself. What do you call that piece of cardboard that wraps around your coffee cup to keep from burning your hand? A zarf. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. You may think that getting five or more servings of vegetables and fruit a day is a daunting task and may even seem unrealistic. With the price of almost everything increasing, some people think it's too expensive to buy fruit and vegetables. According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, you can buy three servings of fruits and four servings of vegetables for well under $2 a day. If the taste of fruit and vegetables is not your favorite, find something low-calorie and delicious to dip them in. My children love to dip fresh vegetables like carrots, celery, broccoli, and cauliflower in ranch dressing for a nutritious and tasty snack. Dipping them into yogurt is also scrumptious. Be creative and make sure to eat at least five servings of fruit and vegetables a day. By doing so, you will watch your health increase and your weight decrease. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. We're having a great discussion. Let's get back to it. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and we're visiting with author Ellen Tad, The Infinite View, Guidebook for Life on Earth. Boy, the day has flown by. We're already three-quarters of the way through the show. So, Linda, you had some questions about, you know, our current situation. Yeah, no, I'd be interested in to hear what Ellen's guides have to say about what's going on uh, in this country right now, what's going on in the world, what's going on on the planet, because things are changing so fast. Every morning you wake up and, and there's new craziness happening, and um, you may not you may have put a shield around you so you don't absorb it, but a certain amount goes through. So I just would like to hear um, what Ellen's guides are telling her about what the hell is going on? <laughs> well, um, so I'm in my 60s now, and my my spiritual awakening happened when I was 19. And so that was a long time ago in my life now. And, um, and then these magnificent teachers and beings started to appear to me and work with me clairaudently and clairvoyantly. And pretty early in the process, I was told, your world circumstance is going to worsen and that things are going to get very difficult on the earth and that part of what they were wanting me to learn for myself as well as to help others is to really understand that we're spirit temporarily on the earth 
and the earth is our school. And that when we identify ourselves as human alone, then things look scary and are pretty tragic. But when we remember that we're spirit temporarily on the earth, then this is a time of challenge. It's been foretold in lots of different cultures. Um, and, and, you know, I think that in all honesty, when I was told this, I had my image of what that would mean. And in some ways, the reality of it is more difficult than, than the conceptions I had. You know, I always thought I would live in nature. You know, we, we had a beautiful piece of land and an organic garden, and, and I always thought that was my, my, my comfort. But then I got Lyme disease in my organic garden. <laughs> and so the environmental problems and imbalances are affecting our nature as well as in cities. Um, so there are many, many challenges here. And this is a manifestation of people's thoughts and words and actions. And so there's karma, which is cause and effect. And we're having a collective effect, which is really challenging. And I don't want to understate the challenges that we have. Matter of fact, what motivates me to do my work is because I see how much people are struggling and suffering and, and the magnitude of uh, fear because, you know, we don't have ultimate security in the physical world and everything is temporary. So what I've been taught to cultivate is really the concept of a spiritual perspective. And, and I think the human condition without the spiritual perspective is really quite tragic. And the human condition with the spiritual perspective is an incredible, fascinating, evolutionary learning process. And so one of our big challenges, my guides say it this way, they say rather than being negatively affected, learn to become a positive influence. And so when we meditate, when we strengthen the third eye, our aura gets bigger. And when our aura gets bigger, we're less absorbing of negativity and fear so we can be a positive influence. Also, the process of recognizing that the spiritual realm has these magnificent beings and teachers and guides that are available to us, which help, help guide us. So it's really seeing that we're both spirit and human and, and not avoiding the challenges that, that lie before us. You know, you are a life being, and, you know, that's what we're all hoping to be, at least I, I am myself. So do you find now that the craziness is, you know, exacerbated to create to the nth degree that people are more attracted to you because they see the light in you and they they feel they get comfort from that well you know as i said i've been doing this work a long time and i think one of the interesting parts for me is it used to be you know in the very beginning when i did this work the people drawn to me were were not mainstream, you know, they were more alternatively oriented. Now, mainstream people, because people are searching. 
So, you know, doctors and lawyers and politicians and, you know, actors and people in all walks of life because, and this I think is the beauty of our struggle, which is when things are difficult, people start searching and they start asking more substantive questions, which bring them to the spiritual level. And I think that's part of the purpose of what we're all going through. Yeah. Well, and don't you think the third eye can also help you discern what's yours and what's not yours and what's, you know, is this something you really need to throw your hat in the ring with? Because there's so much today. There's so many. There's protests. There's charities. There's, you know, you can get really overwhelmed with, you know, yeah. all the choices out there. And what I've found is sitting quietly again and like you know staring out my forehead and then going is this mine is this something i should be doing is this is this something that i'm supposed to do you know i find that it's it's pretty spot on good good yes so do i i think it works and i would rather do less well than do a lot and be scattered <laughs> and so the third eye really helps me prioritize and um the feeling of overwhelm is a solar plexus dominant feeling. When the solar plexus gets too big, that's the feeling of overwhelm. Each chakra should be in its proper proportion, and each chakra can be uh, dominant or diminished, and either way it creates a set of problems. And so overwhelm is a dominant solar plexus, and it starts to shrink and come into its proper perspective when we, when we focus and focus out of the third eye. So I love that you've been practicing and that you've been getting results. Well, and, you know, I'd like to encourage everybody because, you know, the funny thing about this, Ellen, is like, you know, you don't need all these props. You don't really need to do anything. It's not like it's violating any, you know, anything. You just sit down and instead of like, feeling from your heart or thinking with your head or going with your gut, you know, which we all accept as parts of the decision-making process, if you will, especially in corporate America, where, you know, everybody's very comfortable with that. What is it to add, you know, one little more check in there to go, okay, shut your eyes for a minute, block everything out, focus, pretend you're looking out through your eyebrows and give it a whack. Like, you know, it, we're not asking you to shoot yourself up with drugs or, you know, do any crazy, you know, teepee dances in a hut in the middle of nowhere. I mean, that's the funny thing. So the third eye is actually right in the middle of the forehead. So it's not between the brows. It's right smack in the middle of the forehead. So you look right okay. out of the middle of your forehead. And you can do this with your eyes open. So, um, you know, people naturally go in and out of the third eye. You know, I have a I, I, one of one story I love. I have a long-term student who was having trouble communicating with her husband, and so she bought a ping pong table. And whenever she would want to have a meaningful conversation with her husband, she would say, "Let's have a game of ping pong," because when you play ping pong, you have to get to your third eye. You have to focus on the ball, and so it's prop. And so he wouldn't be defensive when they were talking with things over during ping pong. <laughs> so, you know, however a person gets to focus, it works. 
I love that. So I could use my magnetic dartboard in my office to get people to focus. Shut the door and, you know, throw the magnetic darts on the back of the board. It's like when I talk to my boys, it's much better for me to talk to them when they're playing a video game than actually having that conversation face-to-face. Yes, because, you know, and, you know, when, when my son was young and playing his video games and I thought, oh, I've got to stop it, I've got to stop it, my guide interrupted me and said, no, he's learning focus. <laughs> so I, I let him play. Well, I think for, especially for some, and I know it's for me as an adult, but even for some kids, when you talk to somebody face to face, for some of us, that emotionally, emotional intensity is really hard. And if it's a high emotion conversation, like if I were playing ping pong, I think I could produce better answers than I could if you sat and stared at me and wanted to talk. Well, I think that's probably true, but as you cultivate the third eye, you get better at it so that you can then be in the third eye face to face or you can be in the third eye in an important meeting or, you know, it's, it's like building a muscle and, and you start to notice when you're there and when you're not and, and it, it gets easier over time. Yeah. Go Linda. Yeah. I find that that's a very interesting because you always thought, you know, you want to look in somebody's eyes, you know, they're the, the entrance to the soul, but the, I just making people comfortable um, and, and doing that is great. I just have one more quick question before we close um, because of your clarity um, and you've been doing it for so many years. Um, do you have these really wonderful dreams that you remember in the morning too? Does it, does it play into your dream state as well? Not very much. Um, you know, there are different kinds of dreams. There's emotional release dreams. There's day residue dreams. There's, um, you know, out-of-body dreams. There's different kinds of dreams. But, no, um, I haven't really spent a lot of time uh, focused on dreams. Okay. Um, I really focus much more on on vision when I'm conscious and yeah. and uh, so it's it's not been something I've particularly developed. Okay. okay, I gotta take us to the end of the show. Thank you ladies for being on today. Linda Franklin in New York City. I'm your host Andrew Beck from Los Angeles. We're visiting with Ellen Tad, the author of The Infinite View, a guidebook for life on Earth. I encourage you to try looking out for your third eye. And I'm going to adjust my scope, um, Ellen. I'm going to move it up from my eyebrows to my forehead. But I'm going to keep my eyes closed because every time I keep it open, I see dust. I think of the chores. I look around, everything that needs to be picked up. So unless I can stare at a blank wall, I think I'm going to keep my eyes closed. We'll be back again next week with another great show. Thank you for being with us on Powered Up Talk Radio. We hope you'll join us again, find your purpose, and discover that what you are capable of achieving is a glorious gift. Powered Up Talk Radio is a production of Beck Multimedia.